Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. I'm so pumped to be here. I'm honored to be here to speak with you guys today. Um, I went to my 20-year class reunion last night, and it made me realize something. Um, The other evening, I was having a conversation with Josh and Pastor Steve, and I totally lied to them because we were talking about age, and I was like, yeah, I'm 36, and last night I was standing there going, yeah, I'm not 36. (laughs) That was a great moment, Um, but there was a, a couple really great moments last night, and it made me think of all of you. I was standing with some friends, and I like to, you don't know where someone's at. Sometimes you test the waters, and I threw out, gosh, that's such a blessing. And then, boom, it was like the Jesus excitement, like, poured out of this person. But one of my friends looked at her and said, they were talking about a Bible class. And she said, oh, I really want to do that because I love the fluffy stuff, but I really need the meat. And I thought, dude, I go to a church that every single week we do the meat. Like, the fluff is great, and, like, yeah, we have some of that because feel-good stuff is great. But we're a church that's all about the meat. The, the good stuff that's in there, even if it's hard. And some of the stuff I might speak about today might be a little challenging, but we can handle it, right, church? Okay, so let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for these cool people. I'm so excited to be here, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity. I pray that your word is spoken well through me, but is heard in these hearts, Jesus. Effect change over this people today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you can be seated. All right, so... The story starts like a month and a half ago, and Pastor Steve texts me and says, do you want to speak in this series? And I try to be a yes person, and so I was like, sure. And he says, okay, here's the story's title, Jesus, People, and I'm like, yeah. And then he throws this in there, I think, like intentionally to make me give him an answer, because he knows I'm like a ha-ha-ha, can't-handle-it kind of person. And he says, yeah, the people that you choose, they're first come, first serve. And I panicked. <laughs> I was like, oh, i got to pick somebody. Um, <clears throat> so... I had read that morning um, in Luke, um, Jesus' interaction with Pontius Pilate, and I was like, I'm going to do Pontius Pilate, and he's like, perfect, awesome, and then I was like, what did I just do? I like panicked. I had a Pontius Pilate panic moment, and I was with Tyler, and I said, hey, I just told Steve I would um, speak on Pontius Pilate, and he goes, okay. (laughs) Okay, so how many of you guys know who Pontius Pilate is? Let me see your hands. Okay. Um... Let's do a vote. You guys ready? We're going to participate today. Okay. I was raised Lutheran. I'm all about the participation, the exercise. You know Lutherans are about exercise? Have you been, anybody been to a Lutheran service? Yeah. Okay. Pastor Steve loves this. Okay. So Lutherans, we get our exercise. You know how we stand up to pray and worship? Well, they stand up for like everything. They're like, okay, so you're sitting down, you stand up, you're sitting down, all the whole service. It's awesome. Um, Okay. So we're going to practice our Lutheran side. Ready? Okay, so you're going to vote. He's like, oh, no, I gave her the mic. We're going to vote. You're going to vote good guy or bad guy. There's not like a wrong answer here, but I mean kind of. But um, So I'm going to have, we'll just use our arms instead of making you stand up. Okay, is that all right? Um, if you believe Pontius Pilate to be a decent good guy, let's see your hands. Okay, if you believe Pontius Pilate to be a bad guy, let's see your hands. And the rest of you that didn't vote, raise your hands. Get some participation in there. So when I decided to do Pontius Pilate, I had all these ideas rolling around in my head. And the following, like, week or so there, I went to a couple different events, like baseball or softball games and stuff. And I asked people, I'm like, hey, if you had to vote good guy or bad guy, what would you say? And um, 80% of people said bad guy. A few people said, who's that? (laughs) I'm like, okay. And then one person specifically said neither. And I thought, oh, you've read your Bible. So, um... Given my Lutheran upbringing, 
Lutherans do a lot of like recitation. So they say the Lord's Prayer together. They do liturgies where they say something or the pastor says something um, back and forth. And they also say something um, called the Apostles' Creed. Have you heard of it? Okay, so as a child, I was like, it's just something we say. As an adult, I look back and I'm like, oh, that's a confession of belief, of faith. It's really, really cool. So it goes something like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And that's only the first half of that, Okay. <laughs> Did you hear who gets billing in that confession or declaration of faith? Jesus, Pontius Pilate, and Mary. You know Pontius Pilate? He's in the, in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They each have their own account of the story. And he gets a few chapters, like one-ish from each person. So he doesn't have a lot of like actual airtime. Uh, but he's mentioned in that. So to me, Pontius Pilate, bad guy. Don't want to mess with him. So um, let's get some... Like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, let's go through the Bible, right? Pontius Pilate is talked about. You know, we're going to go through the Bible because we are a church that preaches out of the Bible. Right, Barb? Yes. So that's between she and I. So um, I'm going to harmonize kind of the four accounts because you're talking about four people who wrote about their recollection of what happened. And there's some little pieces that are, they kind of all fit together and they're just slightly different. But effectively, Jesus is arrested by the Jewish leaders. They decide, we need Jesus gone, okay? Myriad of reasons. These guys are not following God, clearly. They want people to love them, and people are loving Jesus, and they're not having it. So they take Jesus, and they're like, what do we do? What do we do? Let's kill him. But if you look into the the laws of the time, Jewish people were not allowed to kill people. The worst punishment they were allowed to inflict would be a stoning, and yeah, lots of people died from that. Rock to the head will do you. But They couldn't crucify people, so they go to Pilate for a couple reasons. Pilate is a Roman judge. I mean, he's like a Roman, like, guy up there that can make decisions over people. What would you call it? I don't know. Anyway, so this commentary I read spoke about Pilate and kind of the reason why the Jewish leaders took Jesus there. He was a really bad dude, like total dirtbag. He loved killing people. He loved the murder stuff. He loved um, for entertainment. Like, you got somebody? You guys want to see someone killed? Let's do it. Um, so that's what his reputation was. And the Jewish leaders knew that. So they take Jesus. And by the way, they've, like, battered him and bloodied him. I mean, they have, like, given him, like, the worst treatment ever, slapping him in the face. I mean, just treating him horrifically. And they take him to Pilate. And they're like, we need this guy crucified. And by the way, along the way, they go by people, and they're gathering this crowd. They're telling these people um, all these things that are not true about Jesus. Have you ever been in a situation where people have gotten excited and angry about things that were untrue? Maybe. So that's what happened here with Jesus. They gather all these people, and they go to Pilate's house. And Pilate comes out, and he's like, what's happening, y'all? And they're like, we need him gone. Crucify him. He's bad. He's awful. He claims to be this, that. And the next thing, Pilate's like, huh, okay, hang tight. Let me talk to him. He goes over here. He's like, Jesus, what's the deal? And Jesus tells him, he basically he says to Jesus, Luke 23, 3, um, Pilate says, um, hey, Jesus, is this true? Are you the king and Messiah? And Jesus answers, it's true. He's like, okay. And then he rephrases his question a few more times, comes back out to the people, and he's like, look, guys, um, yeah, I mean, if you want, we can, like, flog him or something, but, like, he's not a criminal. There's nothing going on here. And the people are like, 
who is this Pilate? This is not the Pilate that we would expect because Pilate would have been like, oh, you guys want, you want to show? You want to show? Is this, yeah, yeah, let's, let's kill this guy to make you all happy. That's the typical Pilate. So this is kind of a weird interaction where Pilate isn't bloodthirsty in the moment. He's like being a little bit fair. So he goes um, to the people. He's like, yeah, we're not, we're not, gonna, we don't need to do that. And they're screaming and yelling at him. And he's like, oh my goodness. Meanwhile, he hears someone mention about Jesus from Galilee. And he's like, oh, well, that's not my jurisdiction. Let's send him on down to Herod. So he sends him on down to Herod. So he's passing the buck. Again, not really like Pilate. He liked the attention for things that he did that drew a crowd. So he sends him down to Herod. Herod's like stoked. He's like, ah, this is the Jesus I've heard about. This is rad. Do some miracles. Entertain me. And Jesus was silent. And he's like poking and prodding at him. Nothing from Jesus. So he's like, oh, get him out of here. Throws Jesus back down Pilate's way. And Pilate's is like, oh, jeez. I don't mm. So the people are still angry and mad. Jesus is, you know, sitting there. He just looks pathetic. He's like been been battered and bruised. And Pilate's like, look, like, what, you know, can you give me something to go on here? And, and Jesus is like, you know, he's, Pilate says, are you the Messiah? He's like, if you say it's true. And he's like, okay, I'm not really understanding you. Meanwhile, there's a, a note that comes down from Pilate's wife. How many of you guys have been at work and you you guys have been at work and your, your uh, wife sends a note and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> he reads this, this uh, message from his wife and his wife says, hey, I heard you have Jesus. I had a dream. Like, don't mess with this guy. Like, treat him well. Treat him fair. Like, don't. Don't do anything stupid. Pilate's like, <laughs> meanwhile, these people are yelling at him. And the eventuality of it is he goes back out and he's like, guys, let's just not. And the crowd is like, yes, let's, let's do this. Let's crucify him. Goes and talks to Jesus. And Jesus stops responding. He talks to Jesus. Zip nada coming from him. And I feel like the, no, I don't feel like, this is what Jesus told me. When I was spending the last four or five weeks studying this, God was like, boom, this is, this is what you need to know. Jesus speaks to us in all different kinds of way. Do you guys realize that? Jesus spoke to Pilate in three really distinct ways that I want to talk about with all of you today. Jesus spoke to him directly, okay? Jesus spoke to him through someone in his life who was important to him, and Jesus spoke to him through silence, Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. Um, he does speak through his word. So he spoke through his verbal word to Pilate. He's like, are you the Messiah? And he's like, yes. Pilate still didn't believe him, all right? Um, in John 18, 37, Pilate responds, oh, so you are the king? And Jesus says, you're right, directly. How many times have you guys been in like a, some sort of um, issue in your life where you're like, what does God say about this? Have you ever had that? Yeah, okay, so you can go to the Bible half the time, and you can find your answer. Should we use an example? Okay, so I want everyone to think of a sin in their life. We all have one. So whether it's like gossip or coveting or, you know, unfaithfulness, whatever, we all have one, right? Okay, everybody got one? Okay, everybody hold your hands up if you got one. We're going to be Lutheran today. Okay, so we got a sin. I'm going to use one just for, like, example purposes that we can all relate to. Ready? Okay, you can put your hands down, sorry. Um, you guys are doing good. Um, okay, so I'm going to use the sin of murder, okay? Relatable? Relatable? Yeah. <laughs> Pastor, she's like, yes, how many people have you murdered lately? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so um, I would love to murder somebody. I'm going to get my friends with me. They're like, yeah, let's do that. I'm like, let's do that. Sound fun? Sounds so much fun. Um, do you, like, maybe I should just check with God first. What does God say about murder? Don't do it. There you go. Yeah. It says, thou shall not murder. It's like in the word, like black and white, right? Just like Jesus said to Pilate, black or white. Yep, it's true. Uh, that's 
I'm like, okay, fine. So another way that Jesus spoke to Pilate was through people around him, like AKA his wife. Um, So have you ever had anyone in your life, if you're in this church, you probably have, that has spoken into your life? I watched Val doing it the other day. Yeah, people, your pastor, your spouse maybe, leaders in the church, um, those people speak into our lives all the time, and it's a biblical reason why they do, okay? If you look, I have several verses. Are they up there? Maybe. Um, 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gifts you've received to serve others. You know, the people that are in pastoralship over you, they've received that gift, and they're there to speak into your life. Preach the word. It says that in 2 Timothy 4.2, people that are involved in your church, that are in leadership over you, those people are supposed to speak into your life, okay? So sometimes when you're like, should I murder or not? You can go to, like, your pastor, like, leadership in your life, and you can be like, do you think? And they're going to give you an answer, all right? You guys with me? Okay. So here is the hardest one, but it's probably the one we maybe struggle with the most. Jesus sometimes speaks to us through silence. I, at, when I was reading through this at first, I'm like, well, why didn't Jesus just be like, here's all the reasons. Let me perform a miracle. Let me, let me show this to you. But at that point, Jesus knew where Pilate was at. See, he knew his heart. And sometimes, have you ever been in a situation? Well, actually, you know what? Tyler was in a situation like this this week. Want to hear? So (laughs) Tyler is a longshoreman, and I don't really understand their whole deal. It's like the secret society. But what I do know (laughs) is that they have what they call the board. And it's a list of all the people that work, okay? So it kind of travels around. So you kind of have like an equitable um, ability to get a job first some days, you know? So anyway, Tyler goes to work and he calls me on his way home. And I was on my way somewhere. And I said, hey, what'd you get for the day? And he said, I got the LaBear crane. And I said, cool, good for you. The LaBear crane is cool. Um, It's a big yellow crane. It's special. Not everyone has one. There's only one in the port of Longview. And I've been married for 16 years to Tyler. I've been with him for 17 years. I spent like a decade hearing him say, gosh, I just wish I could get trained on the LaBear crane. And it's a really cool crane. It's a cush job. It's really cool. So I know how cool that is to get, right? And he goes, yeah, not everyone was happy for me. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's a couple guys there that their name was above me, but it had to pass them because they don't have the training for it. So it came to me. And... They were like, oh, whatever, Davenport. I don't know what they said. Like the abbreviated version for Tyler is they were not pleased for him. And I said, well, why didn't you just say like, hey, guys, I know what that feels like. It took me a long time to get this training, right, to defend himself a little bit. And he says in all of his amazing Tyler wisdom, he says they wouldn't have heard me because their hearts were mad. Their hearts were not ready to be like, oh, isn't he great? He's the greatest. (laughs) So in all of his wisdom, he knew, like, there's times where people are not going to hear what you have to say. Their hearts are not open to it. And Jesus had this moment with Pilate where he's like, dude, he's not going to listen to me. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait it out. There is a story in Matthew 15, totally different person, but with Jesus. This woman comes to Jesus, and she has an afflicted daughter, and she's talking to him and talking to him and talking to him. And in this story, there's no response from Jesus. Until she gets to a certain point in the verse, I want to say it's verse 28, says, and then Jesus answered her. Sometimes our hearts need to be moved. Sometimes there's some work that has to be done in us before Jesus is able to, well, he's always able, before we're able to receive what Jesus has for us. So there's ever a moment of silence from Jesus, let's look inward. 
That's not like a his fault. That's a, like on us to prepare our hearts for him. Are we good? So far? Okay. All right. Um, we're going to continue on with the story. So Jesus is having the, had this conversation with Pilate. He, Pilate goes out, and he's trying to kind of like smooth it over and be like, so let's not. And the people in the crowd start attacking him. He's trying maybe almost a little bit to follow the truth, follow this line that Jesus has for him. But someone goes, hey, you don't crucify this man. You're no friend of Caesar's. The relevance to that comment is that he worked for the Roman government. You guys, like, done any research with Romans, like, in your, like, school years or anything? Romans were really thinking scary. They were pretty ruthless, okay? So the idea that he would be called, like, a traitor to Caesar... Oh, boy. Not messing with that. Nope, nope. No, there's no cost in his mind that's going to cause him to abandon that mission. That would cost him his job. Could cost him his life, technically. It would probably cost him the friendships of all the people around him to go against the, the Roman government or to be even accused of it. So he effectively was like, yeah, all right, here's your man. Here you go. And he crucified the savior of our world. He was more concerned about how people viewed him, what people thought, than about the truth. And that makes Pilate one of the most relatable characters of the Bible. Because you guys probably have never had this experience, but I've had this experience in my life that I have crucified the truth for comfort. I have crucified the truth for friends. I have crucified the truth for things of immediate value. I've stepped out of that lane of blessing because this is immediate. But the problem with doing that, with crucifying the truth of Jesus, is the blessings are over here. And if I'm not over, I mean, if I'm not lining up to get them, like, what am I doing? When I have sin running my life and choices that I'm making that are counter to the word of God, I am not receiving what Jesus has for me. Now, that does not mean that Jesus doesn't love me at all. Like, he loves me through it all, but that means that I'm losing out on what he has for me. And the problem with that, like, let's go back to my murder example. When I'm murdering people, like, it's a messy business. Like, my friends around me... My friends around me, they're hanging out with me. They're getting splashed by that, all right? Not to sound gory, but that blood's everywhere. Okay? I know, gross. Sorry, guys. Um, and the, in the same sense, when I'm receiving that blessing, like, that's splashing around to everybody around me. Okay? It means more to me now as a parent than it did before because whatever gets splashed on me is splashing my children. So whatever I surround myself with, whatever sin I allow, whatever truth I follow bleeds onto them. I lived a childhood being splashed with someone else's sin. It affected my life. And like I was telling Jay this morning, like, yeah, those hardships, those tough times, they make you who you are. But man, if I can splash blessing on my children, I will choose that every time. Okay? When I was reading this story over and over again, and I'm going to try to find all of the young people. If you are in your 20s or younger, raise your hand. I'm going to put my hand down because I don't fit in that crowd anymore, apparently. Okay, so all of you young people, my own daughters didn't even, like, raise their hand just now. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, you guys can put your hands down. But I'm going to speak to all of you young people right now, okay? Look you guys all in the eye. 
The world is out to get you. You are the goal of the world right now. It breaks my heart, the world you guys are all growing up in, the things that you guys are having to see constantly. It wasn't so much like that when I was a young person, but it is rampant in what is being put out there for you guys. You guys are like starting out at like a, like a losing battle and it just breaks my heart for all of you guys. There is so much sin. It is literally in the Bible, the truth, the first one where Jesus speaks, he's spoken it in the Bible and the world is like, forget that. And they're just putting it out there for all of you guys. And it's so devastating as a parent for me to watch. And as a, I guess I could call myself a leader in church to watch you guys have to battle that. And there's so many times where you're going to have to make the decision, do I crucify the truth of what Jesus said to follow what's popular, what's celebrated, what you're encouraged to do? Do I crucify that? Because you know what that means? That means crucifying some friends. That means people actually probably saying, I'm a hater, I'm mean, I'm awful. Or are we going to say, you know what, guys, I might have been celebrating that with you yesterday, but... I'm going to choose the truth, and I love you, and you can totally come with me, and I'm going to love you from wherever I'm at, but I'm going to walk over to the truth. I'm going to crucify the things of this world. We see a really obvious example of that very thing. When you look at 1930s-ish in Germany, you guys know a lot about World War II. I've read about it a ton. You think, like, gosh, why, where did the German, why, how did they let this happen? Weren't there more German people than there were Nazis? And the answer is, heck Yes. But they were asked to, well, let's go back up. They were told, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, oh, the Jewish people are not the best. Okay, I can handle that. Oh, the Jewish people are kind of dirty. I can handle that. Jewish people are bad. Oh, okay. Jewish people are evil. Oh. Jewish people should die. Oh. Okay. Slowly broke the people down, got them to go along with the crowd, got them to believe the awful things. Do you guys know, this is really gross, ready? I'm into gross things today. Um, do you guys know the, the, um, the type of, like, brainwashing that was happening at, there at that time? You guys, we all know. I mean, you guys all agree with me, right, that, like, what happened in the 1930s and 40s was horrific. It's, how, could, how could that happen? They had the people so brainwashed. If you were a German citizen and you had a teenage person, teenage child in your family, like my daughter here, Jameson, um, let's see, Willow, Bethany, you guys all would go to summer camp. And your parents would happily send you because that's what good German kids did. And at that summer camp, the point was for all of you girls to become impregnated by whatever boy decided he wanted to. And then you would have that baby and be a perfect Aryan child. And that baby would go grow up and to be a Nazi. And that was okay. That was okay. Can you guys even believe that? Is that not like, but a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And that is exactly what culture today is doing to all of you children. It's so true. And we can choose to, like, make everybody happy that's around us and crucify the truth of Jesus, or we can choose to believe his word. James 1.18, God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word. That means his true word, okay? So that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us. Your destiny is to live in truth. But not just that. We would fulfill his chosen destiny for us to become the favorite ones out of creation. If I'm going to be anyone's favorite, I really just want it to be Jesus's. Okay? I just do. There's a couple other verses on there, but um, you all are on my heart, and I pray for you all, all the time. 
Because I pray that you guys say, world, I'm going to love all of you. I'm going to hate the sin, but love the sinner. And you can do that and still stand in your truth. And I implore all of you, even people like my age and above, there's no one above my age here, right? We're all young. <laughs> to stand in the truth, to take what God says and just believe it. In people in you know the 1930s and when they went along, 1930s and 1940s when they went along with what happened, they were called to account because the culture shifted. Did you know that? A lot of those people were called to pay for what they did, pay for what they allowed to happen to other people during that time. We're going to be called to account for our sins and us going along with the culture because something that's more than likely going to happen, you guys, is the culture will shift and you will be wrong and you will be bad. What you believed five years ago, how many things did you believe or said five years ago are not popular anymore? Oh, boy. <laughs> Culture will always change, but Jesus will never. He is true yesterday, today, and forever. You don't have to watch your back when you are following the truth, okay? Now, when I was preparing to speak today, I was trying to pull a Pastor Steve in my mind. I was like, okay, my first two points are really good, and if I have to leave off the third, it's fine. But last night, Jesus was like, no, you can't do that. Because <laughs> I was at my reunion, and I was talking to a friend, and we were friends in high school, not super close, but friends, loved her, great girl. Um, but she hung with a different crowd that did things I didn't do in high school, and we had the best conversation because she said, she was telling me about basically how she got saved, and it, it kind of reminds me of yours, except hers was like at 34, and she says, I went to this church service, and I didn't want to be there, and I was bawling, crying, and I'm like, what is happening? And my response to her last night was like, oh, the spirit was moving. She was, yeah, and I was like, how come no one told me about Jesus and how much he loves me? And I was like, oh, we can't forget that this morning, Okay. Most of you all know how much Jesus loves you, but if there's anyone in this room that doubts it, he died for you. He could have stood up to Pilate and be like, oh, I'm over you. Fall down, Satan. He could have. He had the power. He knocked people out and rose people from the dead nonstop during his ministry. We saw him not back down to all kinds of Jewish leaders throughout his entire ministry, but here he's remaining silent. You don't want to know why? Because of you. Because you mattered to him. He knew you were coming. He knew you needed him. And so he didn't back down. When Jesus went up to the cross, he had spent days being shuffled back and forth between leaders. Man, he had to have been tired. He had, I mean, can you imagine like being, he probably hadn't eaten, hadn't drank, hadn't slept, just tortured, like absolutely tortured. And then they go to nail him to the cross. I want everyone to take your sharpest fingernail. Everyone got one? Yes, Jen, we got one. There. I want you to stick it into your palm as hard as you can stand right now. Can you imagine that being a nail? Can you imagine that? And then in that moment, the person that's sticking that nail in your hand, you standing up there and saying, gosh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because that's what Jesus said. He blanketed everybody in the house. He wasn't just like, forgive the good people out there. He said, forgive them. He wrapped Pilate into that. The man who could have saved him from the suffering he blanketed him with forgiveness, just like he blankets all of us. If you hear one thing from me today, I want you to hear that Jesus' legacy is forgiveness and love. Jesus loves you oh so deeply that he took that torture for you. That's hard for a lot of people when you've been involved in a sin, you've been involved in something that has been blatantly against God, but I want you guys to know that there is a roadmap for that, OK? 
okay? There's multiple verses in the Bible, but my favorite for what do I do when I've been a sinner? What do I do when I've been wrong? My most favorite is 2 Chronicles 7.14. If you don't know it, commit it to memory. If you have a hard time committing things to memory, find a song that has it. That's my most favorite. Have you guys ever heard of the band FFH? Yeah, they're good. They're like from like the 90s. I worked in a Christian bookstore. This is kind of old stuff. But they have this song. You're making a funny face. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bookstore girl right here. So they have this song, uh, this verse in a song. So go listen to it. Find it on the Apple stuff. Um, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, raise your hand if you're a people. If you're a person, everybody, raise your hand if you're a people. This is you guys. So he's talking to all of you. You can put If my people who are called by my name, again, if you're a people, raise your hand. You are called by his name. Okay? The roadmap here is if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. When you're seeking God's face, this is the upward posture. The world's going on around here, and we're not letting that bother us because we're seeking God's face. That's the posture in which we are to seek him. Additionally, we're to turn from our wicked ways, like, bye. I'm not doing that anymore. I've got to stop doing the bad stuff, right? Then the promises are immense. Isn't just like Jesus is like, I'll forgive you if I have time. Nope. It says, I will hear from heaven. Do you know how important it is to be heard? If you're a parent, you do, because you're probably like my, my son. He's not here, so I can use him. Bowden, 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 Bowden! And he's like, what? <laughs> not being heard is really frustrating anybody not been heard? You're talking to somebody and they just like walk away or they like don't even, they're like no response. And then they start talking about something else. You're like, dang, when you, it's so frustrating. Jesus will never do that to you. He says, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins. And then he takes it one further. I will heal your land. You're over here saying, okay, I was okay with all this sin and I decided not to. And I'm sorry, guys, I love you. I'm going this way. I'm not going to celebrate that anymore with you. And they're like, we're not friends anymore. And you're like, I lost all my friends. Jesus says, I will heal your land. Quick story. You ready for it? When I was in college, I had a couple roommates. I love them. This is no reflection on who they are today. We all are moms of four kids each. Um, It's amazing. But back in college, there were things going on that um, we moved into a house so then there was, like, no rules because we weren't in the dorms anymore. And I got to a point, uh, this is like Halloween. It was a Halloween party where they had brought some kegs in, put them in our garage. And I was like, oh, that's okay. And um, the moment where I realized that Jesus was like, let's get you away from this, was uh, when people started showing up, they were charging people for those red Solo cups so they could access the keg. And they said, let's hide them in Jen's bed because no one will think to look in there. And I thought, why am I here right now? So I moved out. I was like, I love you so much. I love you all. And please believe two of them were like, okay. I'm like, I'm going to pay an extra month's rent so you have, you know, eight weeks to find somebody. I'm like, okay, cool. We're still friends to this day. One friend in particular, not happy about that. Lots of mean, evil, awful words about who I was as a person. So I moved out. And it hurt for a little bit, okay? I crucified being in a situation that was not healthy for me to be somewhere else that God wanted me to be. But God has healed that land time and time and time again. I was at no lack for friends, let me tell you. All of you guys, I consider you friends. Thank you for being here. You are my healed land, okay? If I can leave you guys with one 
specific thought. I want you to know that Jesus is speaking to you. Okay? He is working to speak to you lots of different ways. Okay? He's never not. Take advantage of reading your Bible for him to speak to you, talking to people within your church that you look up to in leadership, and being okay in that silence to open your heart up to maybe changing your heart. Jeremiah 29, 12 to 13 says, when you call on me, when you come to me, when you pray to me, I will listen. That's what Jesus says. Is that not the best promise? He's going to listen. When you come looking for me, oh, you're going to find me. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Is that a good one? Jesus is not going to disappoint you. Remember that you're going to have to make decisions in life. You're going to have to crucify something. Worship team can come wherever you're at. You're going to crucify things in your life. You're going to either crucify the truth or you're going to crucify the world. You have that choice over and over and over again. I implore you to crucify the world and choose the truth. Let those blessings just splash all over you and those people around you. Jesus loves you. Don't forget that. Don't, don't let that pass you by. Don't let how much he loves you, what all he's done for you, be something that's lost on any of you. I want to take this time. We're going to start worship here in a second. But I want to encourage anyone who's feeling a, a moment where they're like struggling with decisions, struggling with choices of this world versus, versus the truth. You're welcome to come. If you're struggling with really, you guys can stand. Go ahead. Up on your feet. We're not Lutheran anymore, but we can still stand. If you're struggling with knowing that Jesus loves you, if you're struggling with um, any kind of, of choice that's going to cost you something, that the crucifixion of that thing is going to cost something in your life, I want you to come forward. If you are wanting any kind of, oh, this is my plug, you guys ready? It's all feely, but I'm going to get funny here. If you're feeling like, I don't know that I can deal with Jesus' forgiveness because I don't, I do not deserve it. Have you ever felt that way? I have felt that way in moments. One way, we can't do anything to earn his forgiveness. There's nothing we can do, okay? But out of that emotion of wanting to appreciate his forgiveness, we can serve. Because we can turn that, that feeling of, I don't know, I'm uncomfortable. We can turn that into, let me do something about it, okay? So if anybody's been in that position where it's made you uncomfortable, I don't deserve it, I don't, I don't know that, I want to do something, and if I can't do anything, then I don't deserve it. I want you to come up here right now with me, and we are going to let that feeling resonate. We are going to, we're going to talk about how we want to serve, okay? We want to pray that out. Victoria, come hold my hand. You're my only friend this morning. Nobody else wants to come up here with me. Because service is a really great way to show your love. Come on. We're going to have a crew. Anybody else want to come hang out with us? Um, I'm going to have my leaders come up here with me too. Leaders, leaders, come on. 
Service is a really great way to love on, to, to express our thankfulness for what Jesus has done for us, okay? So we're gonna pray that out right now, okay, you guys? Jesus, thank you so much for your forgiveness, Jesus. We thank you for your interaction with Pilate and what you've shown us through that, Jesus. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for showing us truth. We thank you for all of the wonderful things, just the love you have for us, Jesus. It's not lost on us, God. And we just pray that through you, through your forgiveness, that we are able to find a way to serve you and honor you and make you proud, Jesus. Thank you for all you've done for us, God, and all you're doing. And we pray for those who are going to crucify things of this world, Jesus, that you would just heal that land in such a spectacular way that there would be no aching loss there, Jesus, but just an overabundance of how much you love us, God. Thank you for this time, Jesus. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.